0: Feel his presence. That's the key. You know, there's enough religious people around, man. They're a dime a dozen. But real bona fide Christians that walk in the love of God, there's not enough of us. There needs to be more of us. And one way that that comes out is through being prayer people, serious prayer people. And, uh, I think I got it written down there. I think this was week number five on our prayer lessons that we're teaching in prayer school. But the goal of this is our church has been here a long time. We've been here 11 years. As Katie was testifying, we've got a good foundation laid here now of people that have grown roots in this church. This is not a church that some people just just visit, which some people do. But we have, we have a good core group of people that don't just visit here. When they talk to somebody, they don't invite them to church. They invite them to their church. And that's really key. When this becomes your church, then you've got roots here, and God can do something in the church. So we have a good core group of people, and a lot of you are part of that core group of people in this church here. But uh, for this church now to go to the next phase of what God has, we have to come, become a church of corporate prayers. And corporate prayer means when people are able to pray together, together, effectively, and bond together and pray and, and just be effective. And we do that at warfare prayer on Tuesday mornings. But but we want to broaden our Sunday night prayer. We'll get to the place we can do that where people will come at 5 o'clock. Or not 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. Well, it started at 6 it would be 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock. And we're able to just to, because we're walking in it already, we just step in and just, man, we're just ready to go. We're charged up, ready to go. And we find our places in the church and we pray. And when we get to that place where we have powerful corporate prayer, has anybody ever read Acts chapter 1? One? About 120 people got together, and they prayed in an upper room. And they prayed till the Holy Ghost showed up. And when the Holy Ghost showed up, the church age started. And so, it always happens today, in the times we live in, when Christians get to the place that they know God enough... In their daily walk, they come together and pray together. There could be results. And God wants this church to grow and grow and grow and grow. Amen. He wants this church to grow and grow and have great influence in this area. You know, uh, the times we live in were prophesied in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, through Jesus, the prophets, through the apostles, that the last days... Or it'd be some pretty wretched, horrible, miserable days with sexual debauchery, uh, bad, evil people, killing people, hurting people, and all kinds of things. They warned us about that. But for the church, they said it's going to be our best days. Our glory is going to shine. The glory of God on us. We're going to do exploits because we're going to be strong and know our God do exploits. Well, for us to do what God wants us to do, it's time for this church to grow to the next level. And we're talking about number one. The bond of love between us and our spirituality and how we pray and how we use our faith together. So when these people out there come in here, we go with wide open arms. No matter what they look like, what they've done, how evil they are, we can say, hey, by the grace of God, I would have been where you are, but he pulled me out. Come on in, we want to help pull you out. But if we don't have the prayer backing for the anointing of God to be here to help them, then we could get in trouble because we won't be able to overcome the evil they bring. Amen. And so, if we, as individuals in the church, walk close enough with Jesus that when people get around us in the one-on-one contacts every day, experience His love through us, and since His presence on us, bring all that together, it's like bringing, like the example I gave that one time about that birthday cake I saw back in Indiana, that 100-year-old lady, I'll never forget it. Was in a really nice cafeteria eating. Had a great big large room. And had tables everywhere. And the lights were kind of dim. And all of a sudden I saw it look like a great big blowtorch walking through the center of the room there. And I asked, I said, what is that over there? It looked like the place was on fire. I said, there's a woman over there celebrating her 100th birthday. They got 100 candles on there burning. Well, you know, if that was a one-year-old baby with a birthday, I would hardly see that light. And then one little candle burning over there. I may not have even seen it. But got a hundred lights together, man, I saw the whole thing. Do you know what? If our candles are lit here, Jesus said, we're the candle of the Lord. He said, let your light shine. If we get a hundred lights, two hundred lights, three hundred lights shine to this, you know what's going to happen? The evil they are come in here, the faster they're going to fall to the power of God because the light's going to be shining. Amen. That was fresh off the Holy Ghost press for all of us tonight. It wasn't even in the notes or anything, but that's where we're going. That's our goal, to get to where when people walk in here, uh, anybody can preach a sermon. Not just the pastor, That everybody be so full of God that they can just unload, man. Just hallelujah. We're going to help people. Amen? That doesn't mean take over tonight. I'm going to preach tonight. <laughs> hallelujah. That minister anybody? Amen. That's where the Lord's head is. So anyway, tonight we're going to be talking about... Prayer School actually says part four, uh, how to troubleshoot your prayer life, how to troubleshoot your prayer life and I want you to look at Luke chapter eleven verse one I think we're doing we're doing outlines on this right you guys got outlines okay <clears throat> Luke chapter eleven verse one you know I think about the word of God that i've heard this verse uh, Preached, taught for over thirty years. But when you're with the Holy Ghost, I talk about me talking about you. If you will study the Bible with the teacher that wrote the Bible in you, showing you things, you'll see new things. This past week, I saw something new in this verse here, that goes right along with the prayer school. The teacher, the John fourteen twenty six, Jesus called it the teacher, John fourteen twenty six is the one up here at the altar three weeks ago told me to start calling this prayer school. And so since the teacher that wrote it lives in me and lives in you, then it's going to be prayer school, and I'm using his book that he wrote as the textbook, he's going to show me things he meant in his book that maybe we didn't see yet. So Luke chapter 11, verse 1, says this, And it came to pass that as he was praying, Well, I'll tell you what, that ought to jump off and get your attention right there. There's some things in your life that God wants to bring to pass you want to see to come to pass. They're not going to come to pass unless you're a prayer. Came to pass as he praying in a certain place when he ceased. Now look at this. Here's what we're going to talk about. One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So notice the disciple observed how Jesus prayed. He observed how Jesus prayed, and that made him want to learn to be a skillful prayer, just like Jesus was. Because he saw what Jesus was doing. And over the years, as I've observed great men and women pray, I knew if I wanted to become a better prayer, I needed to listen to them teach on prayer, and then put into practice what I learned from them as they taught. And I remember, back in the early 80s, there's a young Christian guy that started hit his wife, they they were really young Christians. They started hanging around us and uh, the guy watched how I prayed and to me I've just really when I got when I got born again, I found out Jesus was real. I mean I'd lived for the devil all those years. So the day one, January twenty ninth, nineteen eighty, when I found out God was real, Jesus was alive, immediately he'd become my best friend. So I talked with him everywhere in front of people and Katie makes fun of me and says, my father-in-law walks through Walmart praying in tongues. Well, I don't even think about it. Sometimes I just don't realize I'm even doing it. But I'm talking to him all the time like that. And I remember when I was uh, the truck driver, people see me praying as I was doing my work on the truck. Doc, oh, you talk to yourself, you ask yourself too? I said, yeah. You know, like that. I said, well, you need prayer come to me, man. I'm hooked up. Hey, Amen. But anyway, this guy, this guy said to me, he said, I wish I could pray like you do, said when you pray, said you come out of it like you believe God's going to (laughs) answer. Well, you know, you're laughing with the Christ sitting here tonight that need to be here what we're teaching because you're not sure when you're praying about that money if he's going to answer like he did for Betty. You're not sure if he's going to open those doors like he wants to open, like like I think about Henry over there. you got things in you that you know that God wants to bring out. And they're not coming out, so you're able to talk with him and then hear him talk to you about, cast your cares upon me, give me your worries, and the gift comes out. You're not sure that's happening in your life. So, you know, we, we laugh about some sort of stuff like that. But that's what Jesus' disciples, watching him, said, wow, this man acts like God's really here to him. And then when he goes out and he, he prays for sick people, they really do get healed. Uh, I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to pray for somebody that doesn't have anything like Jesus prayed for, prayed for blind people, deaf people, crippled people. Let me just pray for somebody has got a bellyache. Nobody knows if it happened or not. Or just, Lord, let me have somebody got a little headache or something. I've known preachers like that who are afraid to pray for people something that was visible. Because they're afraid, you know, if it don't happen, what am I going to do? Just, Lord, just let me have a little headache or something like that. Nothing major. You know, to me, it's always been. If they're blind, if they're crippled, if they're deaf, no matter what the diagnosis is or what they've got, the same power of God that hears this little baby's, this little, this little kid's finger. Pastor, would you pray for me? They show me a little finger, man. They got a little red spot on it. What happened? Oh, I hurt my pinky. Will you pray, Pastor? And then the next thing came up says, Pastor, they found a spot on me. They saw something. Will you pray for me? It's the same power of God got to hear that little kid. As it is going to heal that person, got that spot. Amen? And so, what I'm saying is this when you're in contact, when you're in contact with the author and finisher of our faith, I mean, you know, you like to get prayed up, you stay prayed up. And that's like communion we took this morning. We examined ourselves, and I always throw in there that if you walk with God like I do, when you examine yourselves, you're probably not going to say anything because you already did that this morning early. You already did it last night. You did it yesterday. You walk with God. And as soon as you've done something that wasn't right, or as soon as you realize that something you're supposed to be doing, immediately you get right with God. You say, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Help me get that together. And we take communion. And when you're walking like that, most of the time you don't say anything. So communion, you just say, Jesus, I worship you. I love you, Lord. I adore you. Oh, I want to thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. You do that. But if you're a casual, how do I say that? If you're a, this pastor calls it tag-alongs. If you're just a tag-along Christian, you know, you just tag along with everybody else because they're doing it, then chances are when you pray, if you're open to God in a communion, you're going to see all kinds of stuff. And they wow, wow, I didn't get this together because you don't practice the presence of God. Amen. And so these, these disciples watch Jesus pray. And they realized that Jesus had a connection with God, and they want that same connection. I want you to look at Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. Jeremiah 3, 15. How many are hungry for more of God? How many can improve your batting average? Amen. How many can become more skilled at your praying? You know, I, this morning when I was studying the Bible at home, just in my prayer closet, I remember exactly what I said. I said, Jesus... I want to grow. I want to know you better, Jesus. Lord, I want to learn more about the Bible. I said that to him this morning. And I know somewhat about the Bible. And I know Jesus. But I recognize that I'm still on earth. As long as I'm still on earth, I can learn. I can grow. I want to know him better. Amen. Jeremiah 3.15 says, and this is God talking. I will give you pastors. What am I? I'm a pastor. According to mine heart, which shall feed you with confusion and mess you up. I'll tell you what, some of these religious people on your jobs, the religious people in your families that go to church half the time and read the religious translation of the Bible, they'll feed you with confusion and mess you up. Because then you show up to me and say, Pastor, I'm confused about something. What's that? Well, I've got a friend that told me this. I say, well, you better listen to that friend then. You better you better let a pastor that walks with God feed you of knowledge and understanding. So anyway, he says, I'll give you pastors with my heart, which will feed you of knowledge and understanding. And so God's chosen method of teaching believers spiritual things, like how to pray effectively, is to sit under Bible pastors and teachers that demonstrate they walk with God. That demonstrate that demonstrate they walk with God. That demonstrate they walk with God. And you want me to tell you how you can judge just, there's lots of, lots of ways you can judge fruit, but how you judge a pastor's fruit? Number one, when you round around that pastor, does he preach Jesus and help people to know Jesus better? Or does he lift up himself and what a great, awesome guy he is, and what a great ministry he has, and how great things God's doing through him? Or do you always think about, wow, I want to know Jesus like he does. I want to know Jesus better. And then number two, do the people that sit under that man or woman's ministry, do they leave bettered, or do they leave worse? When people come in and sit under a bona fide Bible pastor that walks with Jesus, people's lives are changed. That's how you judge the fruit. And so Jesus said, I'll give you pastors. I'll put my heart in them of love for people, and they'll feed you of knowledge and understanding. And so if you want to learn how to pray effectively, you need to sit under Bible called Pastors and Teachers. And praise God, we got a good church. I'm not lifting me up. I'm lifting up the gift God gave me. And I work on the gift in me all the time to improve the gift because my, my, my desire is I want to see people not lose anymore. You know. Donald Trump says he wants to make America great again. I want to make the church great again. I want to make believers great. Because Jesus said the greater one's in you than he that's in the world. And so I want to be able to see God's church become great in the times we live in. And that's going to happen when you get serious believers who want to learn how to know God better through good teaching and demonstration. Amen? Amen. So I give the Lord a hand. And so... Jesus, the greatest prayer there ever could be, has taught me many things about prayer for over 36 years. He told me to have prayer school for a season in our church. And then told me this other day, as long as the students don't cut classes. As long as the students don't cut classes, they're going to come up and grow in how they pray. You know, I think about our our Dr. Barclay classes that we just had our SMTI for nine months. Some of us, some of us missed some classes, but when we missed, they wrapped through things that we couldn't help but miss, and we did. But we didn't miss very many of them, and we made up for what we missed. We wanted to make sure we caught up for where we were because we wanted to pass the test and do good graduating. And, you know, you that are teachers, the ones that are that are students and things like that, you know, that's the way it is. You know, the ones that gets the valedictorian and all that stuff, man, the one that gets the 4.0 average, that's not the ones that played hooky all the time. It's the ones that come, that's the ones that learn. And so I just really encourage you to stay hooked up with what we're doing. And I can promise you, based upon the Word of God, you're going to grow. You're going to be a good prayer. So we're looking tonight how to troubleshoot your prayer life. And so I want to say this, how the Lord gave it to me. How many, how many, how many men or women in here are actual mechanics? I know Frank is. Frank's a mechanic. Anybody else here a mechanic? No. How many here know a little bit about cars? All right, good. How many know that uh, you got the thing called a key? Okay, you got that part that you know something, amen. How many know where the gas tank is? Some people do, some don't. My wife refuses to learn. She says, that's a man's job. So for all these years, I'm the one fills up our car gas tank. My, my wife wants me to. But I don't tell her how to cook. She doesn't tell me how to fill up the tank. Because I like to eat and she likes to drive. Okay. <laughs> and so the same principles of learning to be a skilled auto mechanic apply to becoming a, a skilled prayer. I'm not a high-skilled mechanic, but I've learned some things, some basics about cars over the years, because I always wanted to learn. I always wanted to know more about taking care of my own car, because I, I like to save money. i to keep it running. I even took two years of auto shop when I was in high school. My dad was an awesome mechanic. And from the time I was a little kid, I watched my dad work on cars. I would sit down there. I'd crawl under him with him. I'd get under the engine with him. I'd see him take the brakes apart, take the engine apart, take parts off and put them on. And I always watched my dad because I wanted to become better at what I was doing. And so uh, I love hanging out still today. I've got men in the church that help work on my cars. And when they do, I'm right there looking over the shoulder, watching what they're doing. I've seen the newest kind of tools they've got. I've seen the new kind of electronic things they test with and what they're doing. I like to learn, but I'm still not a professional mechanic like that, but I know a little bit more than I used to. And so the whole thing is I I know enough about basic automotive things that I kind of know if somebody's giving me a good diagnosis or not, and I kind of diagnose some things myself. And so sometimes I'm able to diagnose some things and troubleshoot my car to where I'll know enough to go down to the parts store and tell them what, what I believe it is and ask them, and they'll show me how to test a part to fix it. And so if you want to get results in your prayer life, you must learn how to troubleshoot. If your prayer life's not running right, if it's not getting the results that the Bible says it should get, then something's wrong for your prayer life and you need to learn how to troubleshoot your prayer life. And so I'm kind of like a a master mechanic for prayer. I can help you tweak it. I can help you diagnose it. And so if a car's missing out running uh, poorly, you need to diagnose and check it out. Have you got bad gas in it? How many know? Well, maybe you don't know. We don't have a lot of mechanics in here tonight. But maybe you know. Sometimes, if a car sits for an extended period of time, the gas starts breaking down. And then, also, sometimes if you have the habit of continually running your car low on gas, all the sediment, and bad stuffs at the bottom of the tank. And the lower it gets, you suck stuff up through there. It gets in your fuel lines. It gets in your injectors. It gets in your carburetor. And it causes things, what we call to foul up and miss out. It doesn't run good. That's because you didn't properly maintain it by putting gas in it. I'll tell you what, the times we live in, you know, if you have to do this, pray for mercy. Don't just put $5 a time in your gas tank. Fill it up. You know. If you're having to do that right now, I've had seasons in the past, man, What I did a gas for like 50 cents a gallon, so I can get some gas. But now when gas is 3 $4 a gallon, man, you can't put a gallon and a half of gas in these modern cars and drive them very far without sucking crud into your system. And when you do, it's not going to run right. So if you're diagnosing what's going on, it's not running right. One of the first things you want to check is, am I keeping gas in it? And then another thing, uh, Frank knows this. He's been around a while. Used to be, they said, "Did you want regular or Ethel?" Okay. Now these some people said, "Well, who's Ethel?" Are you talking about Mertz? <laughs> I don't know who Ethel Mertz is either. I love Lucy. Anyway, did how many? Let me let me just ask a question. This 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 isn't a spiritual question. Just kind of a nostalgia question. How many here? Know what regular and ethyl in the gas is. Well, I think our senior ministry is blossoming. (laughs) We're the senior generation now, Cindy. And so it used to be, before they had this leaded and unleaded, they had two kinds of gas. They had regular or ethyl. Regular is what most cars did, but they had a a bigger, hotter engine than you put ethyl in it. That's leaded and unleaded, the different octanes. But if you put the wrong gas in a car not the right octane, it starts knocking. And that's not a good thing, so you diagnose that. And so if your car's not running right, you've got to find out if it's fuel or if it's electrical. It might be your spark plug wires. It, it, it might be your distributor. It might be something, you know, whatever it is, but until you get the proper diagnosis, your car's not going to run right. Until you get the proper diagnosis, your prayer life's not going to work right. Amen. And so there's things you need to check. So anyway, you need to check and know what to diagnose. And so I want to go through our prayer manual now and show you how to go through a checklist to diagnose why your prayers aren't working right if they're not. If they are, how to tune it up to do better and the remedy to correct it to if, if you diagnose it wrong. So I want to start off with John chapter 15, verse 7. John 15, verse 7. Wasn't it wonderful that the author of prayer gave us his book? And if I'm having a problem with my prayer life, I can go to the textbook and find out what to do about it. And so John 15, verse 7, I want to read this. Jesus said, if you abide in me, and that means to be born again. And my words abide in you. He put a clause in there. And my words live in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, I'm going to give you one of Pastor Dave's uh, things. He didn't do this, but I'll give it to you what Jesus didn't say. If you abide in me, ask what you will be done unto you. Jesus didn't say that. He said there's a condition there. He said, when you live in me, and my words are alive in you, then you ask what you will... And see, that's, that's a diagnosis for some Christians why their prayers aren't working because they're not praying the word. They're living in Jesus, all right. They love Jesus like I love Jesus, but they don't love his word like I love his word. And so that's a good diagnosis right there. Don't you think so, Henry? Do you see that clause right there? Jesus said one of the conditions for effective prayer it says, not just being born again. That's definitely a condition. We said get born again. Then fill your tank up. You know, I think, I think about it, you know, go to Rosa. Hey, Robin, uh, her car's not running. Well, Pastor, it's a car. Uh, have you got gas in it? Oh, I'm supposed to put gas in it too? She'd never say that. But I'm just saying, sometimes it's that simple. Kelly could be, Pastor, uh, I'm praying but it's not answered. Well, what scripture are you standing on? I'm not standing on these scriptures. Well, put some gas in your tank, Kelly. Come on, girl, if you want to go fill it up. And I'm not picking on anybody, I'm just telling you. What would you think if you went, somebody had a shiny new car sitting there? I, said, I don't understand it, Pastor, won't go. Well, let me get you to see what I said. I turned the key on this brand new car, and the fuel gauge is down here and doesn't move. That's the same thing as somebody facing a serious diagnosis in their marriage, in their health, with their children, with their finances. Come up here and say, Pastor, I want you to agree with me. Okay, what am I going to agree about? Okay, what scriptures are you standing on? I don't have any. I say, well, wait a minute. My tank's full. And so I know my car's going to go. And your tank's empty. What am I going to agree with? Your unbelief and your fear? No better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. Isn't that what Jesus said? If you abide in me, my words abide in you. And so that's a diagnosis sometimes, man. Your tank's empty. Amen. i tell you what, I, th- I think right there we got just enough. I-, I see the toes are going under the chairs. Just enough that maybe better get out of here while they're getting good, man. Get out of Dodge, Pastor. You already stepped on toes all everywhere. <laughs> Amen. I want you to look at Isaiah 55, verse 11. Isaiah 55, verse 11. We're talking about troubleshooting your prayer life. Isaiah 55, verse 11. God said, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, the word of God. It shall not return to be void, but shall accomplish that which I please. and shall prosper the thing whereto I send it. God's word gets results. God said it won't, it won't return back to him empty. When you're speaking God's word, praying God's word that God said it will accomplish that which I, I said it would. If he said, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. But if you got that word in you, you lay hands on the sick, guess what? They do recover. If you've got Philippians 4.19 in you, and by God's power, by need of course, in the glory by Christ Jesus, and you're walking with God, you've got, your, you've got your spiritual motor tuned up. In other words, you're a tither. You're walking in love with people. You do what God knows you to do. Then that means that word won't be turned void. He will supply all of your needs. That means groceries. That means light bill. That means housing. That means education. That means whatever need is. If you need it, He's got it. And you know something that's always helped me in times past. I'm not poor anymore. I'm, I'm doing good now. I'm going to be doing better as I progress to the Lord more and more. But I remember when I used to watch the birds get fed. And I'd say, Jesus, you said your father feeds the birds. How much better am I than the birds? And I would always use that as a point of contact with me. i say, Lord, thank you. You're feeding me better than birds get fed. And th- see, it's little things like that. That's the Word of God. That's Matthew chapter 6 about the birds. Things are going to get alive in you that when you're challenged in life and you pray, the fear don't come out. The faith comes out. And the faith comes out because the Word comes out. And he said, well, my words live in you. My words live in you, he didn't say when your head has memorized some Bible verses for Sunday school to get the prize. He said, but my words live in you, then ask what you will be done unto you. Why is that? He just said that is his word that does not return empty. Who lives in us? Amen. And so when we're speaking his word, it's like Jesus speaking the word through us because it's alive in us. He's alive in us. And when His Word gets alive in us, when we speak, out in this spiritual atmosphere around us, it's the same thing as Jesus speaking, because He and His Word are one. Amen. said, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John chapter 1, verse 14. So when we're speaking the Word of God, things, demons, diseases have to obey us like they would Jesus, because it's the Word of God that's alive. Amen. And so we're talking about answered prayer. And so, what is your Word level? We're talking about diagnosing. If your prayers aren't being answered, and I want to tell you something. There may be times that your faith in praying for healing worked more effective than it does now. Well, I don't know about you, but I found out about my car that when I drive 20,000 miles, 30,000 miles, it needs a tune-up. And so there comes a time sometimes in your life you need a spiritual tune-up. How many have ever heard the Bible talk about the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath isn't Sunday. I guess you don't know. I, I think you know that. But God's talking about a Sabbath day for us as Christians. And what that means is this. You need to have a day of rest. You need to have a day of rest. You know, if you work five or six days a week on your job and you're burnt out, you need to take a day off where you're not, with that one day off you've got, just run out and do all kinds of natural things and neglect your spiritual life and then jump back in on Monday morning and start all over again. You need to stop and tune up. You need to stop and tune up. And sometimes you need to stop and take a spiritual vacation. You know, I know, I know that too many Christians. Work, 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 work. This is a bunny trail, but it's going to help somebody. Too many Christians work, 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 work. Then finally they get a, a week's vacation or two weeks vacation. And as soon as they clock out and get home, they got things packed and they're on the road running non stop. They get back the day before clock in time again. And then they come up here praying and crying because they're busted, disgusted and can't be trusted. And they're hurting in life. And they wonder how come they had no faith. And so you need to plan if the Word of God's going to live in you to obey that part of the Word too to take care of your Sabbath. And I want to say it again. It's not a religious thing. People say, oh, you're just honored the Sabbath because you went to a restaurant on Sunday. Or you worked on your yard on Sunday. Or whatever it is they say about that stuff. That's a bunch of religious garbage. The Sabbath day rest is believers to at least, at least... One day a week to stop and just refresh. let Because it's your body. Your body needs rest. Your spirit needs recharged. And if you don't do that, you may go before your time. Amen. I want to tell you, that there was some free spiritual medical diagnosis that wasn't even in the lesson. But that might be a troubleshooting thing that somebody needed to hear that you aren't recharging your battery. Amen. Where's all my clappers at? man? I usually got more clappers on a Sunday night. (laughs) Okay. And so, are you praying in line with the Bible? Are you praying in line with the Bible? Well, when the Word's living in you, you know if you are or not. Uh, Do you have specific scriptures that promise you can have what you're praying? Do you have specific scriptures? And you know, I I just want to just emphasize that for a minute. How important that is! You need to start learning some Bible verses and their addresses, and their addresses, and their addresses. Why do you need to know the address? Well, somebody said, "I'm a new Christian, Pastor. What's the address? I know oh, my address." Or so talk about the reference of the Bible. You know, I'll give you a good one: John three sixteen. That's an address. That means John three sixteen, where it says God so loved the world, of But Why do you need to know where it's at in the Bible? I'll tell you why. There's going to be a point in time. Sometimes you aren't going to have your marked up Bible with you. Where you just so I, I find it's over here somewhere. It's going to be sometimes when maybe you'd be like Betty in the office there, where there'd be somebody come up to see you where you are, and you won't have a Bible, but you got your iPhone with the app on it. And so you know what. There's a verse God gave you. Man, it's been 30 years ago. He gave it to me, but you learned it. And it's in you. They said, I'm going to take you to Isaiah 55, 11. I want to show you where it is right here. And it'll bless them. It'll bless you. And so it's really good to have specific scriptures. Start learning some things chapter and verse. Start, start putting in your heart where they are in the Bible so you can find them. Because there might be a point in time when you're praying and the devil's hitting you with doubt. And you say, wait a minute. Jesus said, Satan, it is written. And then Jesus quoted out of the Old Testament what was written. He said, what was written? And so there would be a point in time you're standing and you're going to say, wait a minute, Satan, it is written. I bring my tithe into the storehouse. I'm living under the open windows of heaven. And Satan, God said, he rebukes you for my sake. So you're rebuked, devoured, get behind me, Satan, because it is written right here. Amen. And see, that's in your prayer closet. You're seeing those things. You can't say it is written if you don't know where it's written at. Amen. I was talking to somebody the other day, a little Bible study that forgot their Bible. And I said, well, how do you know we're not all sitting here deceiving you then? If we're just saying it says it, but you're not seeing it, how do you know that it does? And, you know, I've known too many preachers that thought the Bible said something that the Bible didn't say. And so when they're preaching, they just do the usual preacher thing. Well, the Bible says the Bible says. And you know what I always think when I'm at a service of the same things it says that I haven't seen it said yet? I always, I can't, i I'd never interrupt a man of God or a woman of God, but I'm sitting there think, where's does say it? Where does say it? I want to see it. I want to see it. Where does it say that at? If it says it, I want to see it. I want to know it. And so that's why I always try to look at what the Word of God says with you, so you'll see it, because did anybody ever hear from a man named Jim Jones? Jim Jones come into prominence right when I got saved, and uh, I'm sorry to say he's from Indianapolis. Matter of fact, he was the pastor that baptized my music minister and his brother. They went to his church when they were young. But Jim Jones led a bunch of dupeful sheep off the cliff because they didn't read their Bibles. He told them God was the one talking to him and that they'd better just go with him because God was talking with him. He led it right off the cliff, and a lot of people lost their lives over that. And so whether it's me... Uh, Joyce Myers, Kenneth Copeland, whoever your favorite preacher is, if they're teaching you something saying God said it, then you better find out where it is in the Bible and make sure God said it. Amen? And so God's word to abide in you means you open up your Bible and you see it with your eyes. And then when Satan tries to attack you in the midnight hour, you can say, Satan, it is written... You open up your Bible, stick your finger on it, says it is written right here, and you quote some chapter verse, tell the devil, it is written, devil, and here's what it says. You look up to heaven and say, Father, I just want to thank you, and praise you in the name of Jesus. You told me, and Lord, I watched you pray, and here's what here's how you prayed, you prayed the word. Amen. Does that helped anybody? Amen, Amen, Amen. And so the, so so if you're deficient In any of these areas, if you're deficient in your word level, then the proper treatment... How many know if you go to the shop, they're going to tell you the treatment. They give you an estimate of what it's going to cost to repair it. Here's the treatment. Look at Psalms chapter 1. Amen. Here is the treatment for low word level. Low word level. Blessed is the man that spends his days on Facebook, day and night. Blessed is the person that watches lots of cable news. Blessed is the person that hangs around the coffee machine all day. No, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And so I want to say this, who you hang out with and listen to, the music you listen to, the preaching you listen to, the nasty jokes you listen to, who you listen to on Facebook, who you listen to on video games, whatever you listen to is going to influence your prayer life. How many have ever heard a song and then you can't get that song out of your head? it would probably be a good idea to put some really Christian songs in your head that are in line with the Word of God. That are in line with the Word of God. You know, uh, Henry's our in-house rapper. But how many know there are some rappers that say they're Christian rappers, but what they're rapping is a Christian words. There are some musicians that say they're Christian musicians. They don't sing Christian words. And so, blessed is the man or woman that walks out the council of these ungodly things. So just because somebody says, I'm a Christian, doesn't mean they're Christian. You judge their fruit. And so he says right here, blessed is the person that watches what they listen to, who they hang out with. And somebody said, well, I don't hang out with them. I, I I, I just hear them on my iPhone. You're hanging out with them, then. You're letting speak into your life. And it's going to affect your prayer life. And so then he says, <clears throat> but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the word of God. It says you don't hang out with the wrong, but at the same time, you just don't go into neutral. You hang out with somebody who do you hang out with. You hang out with the word of God, with Christians that live the word of God with churches that preach the Word of God. In other words, you hang around with biblical things, as says in your study time, in the Word of God, does he meditate day and night? Meditate day and night. Well, Jesus said, if my words abide in you, ask what you will be done unto you. Isaiah said, the Word does return void. And so the best way... If your word level, if your word take is low on fuel, the way to fill up is to meditate the word of God day and night. How do you do that? Well, meditate means you ponder the word by speaking it out loud. You talk about what the word says. Talk to yourself. Talk it out loud. You speak scriptures out loud. That—that I mean, I learned this thing when I was a baby Christian. I've always read the word of God out loud if I can. If I've been that before, I can't. I don't. But if I'm at home reading the Bible, I read it out loud because the Bible says to meditate. And that's you talking it. What do you think the goofy people do those? One of those guys just go. They're not thinking. Ooh, they're doing. Ooh. They're doing something. Oh, they call that meditation. Well, they perverted that from the Bible meditation. Meditation, and it says it in the Hebrew. It means you're talking it. You're speaking it. How does faith cometh? By hearing. If you're speaking it, what are you hearing? Amen. And so not just hearing the preacher preach it, you're hearing it yourself when you're talking it. And what are you doing? To me, that's the same thing going down the gas tank. Sticking that hose in there and seeing that level come up on your gauge, man. And you pull up that gauge. Has anybody ever been driving down the road and all of a sudden you just praying and sweating? Because, oh, man, I should have went one more exit back and got it. Oh, I can make it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I will make it to the next exit. I can get to the next exit. Oh, Lord, I can get to the next exit. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And you get there. And when you pull up that gas station, you're sweating it. But when you pay that gas bill, and that gas gauge is all the way over there past full, you leave out, man, you got a song again, man, you're singing again. (laughs) Have you ever noticed, when you're in your private devotional time, and you maybe feel not too great, you go in there, by the time you sit there for a while, and you speak the Word of God out loud, you read the Word of God out loud... You pray the word of God out loud. You come out of your prayer closet, man, you're thinking Jesus. Hallelujah, man. I'm ready to go to work now. Man, I'm ready to go. Let me see some sinners, Jesus. I want to go witness somebody. I'm ready. You know why? Because your tank just got filled up. And then somebody says, Kelly, can you pray for me today? You say, I got a full tank, man. Come on over let me add it. Let me go. I want to pray for something. But if there had been a season of running on fumes, Kelly B., I don't want to pray for you. I won't pray for nobody. Bible. somebody pray for me. Now, I need gas, man. I need to fill up. My tank's low. This is a good diagnosis. You need to hear this. This is a diagnosis about your prayer life. We're talking about troubleshooting. We're talking about troubleshooting. Where's your gauge at? Where's your level at right now in your walk with God in learning the Bible? And you know, I want to say this again about prayer. Jesus said that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word. That proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so the word of God to our spirit is like food is to our physical body. If we don't eat, we don't live. Well, also, we need to breathe. Because if you're eating good and you're not breathing, you're still going to die. we got to breathe, we've got to eat. And so praying to our spiritual life is like breathing to our body. We need to eat, we need to breathe. And so, if all you're doing is praying but never eating, you're going to starve to death. Say, well, man, I pray, man, I can pray up a storm. You might be able to pray up a storm, but do you get any results? <laughs> you got to have some word coming out of there sometime. Hey, man, I don't know about you, but I'm preaching me happy. I'll tell you what, if we got time for one more, you guys got time for one more? One more diagnosis, we'll do one more then. Okay. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. I'll tell you, for, for being a pastor with God's heart, when I pray about these services, my prayer and my heart's desire is to help Christians become effective prayers. When you pray for your families, I want your families to change. When you pray about your Economic situation, I want your money to change. When you pray about your health, I want your health to change. When you pray about having the wisdom of God, I want you to walk in it. And so that's why we're teaching what we're teaching. And talk talking about troubleshooting now. And so Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Thanks a lot, Pastor Dave. You about preached all my good stuff on this point this morning. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision... But faith which worketh by love. Faith which worketh by love. Amplified Bible says your faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. How many know that your prayers need to be in faith? He says your faith works by love. Your faith is activated, energized, expressed, works through love. What was that thing Pastor Dave said this morning about that? I don't have that note out. Well, I do. I like that. I'm going to look at my notes from this morning. Does everybody else take notes too when he's preaching? It's good. This one filled the blank this morning was this. It was so good. Must not have filled the blank. Must have had to had to write it down. Uh, what prayer works by faith? Faith. How 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 was you said that, Pastor Dave? Yeah, thank you, Kelly. Uh, prayers get answered by faith, and faith works by love. And so, and so we're talking about this love walk. I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, too, and then we'll talk about this. 1 Peter 3, 7. This is for men, but it's for all of us. But, you know, the marriage relationship especially. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them, live with them your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. That your prayers be not hindered. That your prayers be not hindered. And so we're talking about troubleshooting our prayer life. If our prayers are hindered, how many believe that the Bible says something is possible? It's possible. So right here, it's possible for prayers to be hindered because he said so. And so I think about this. I asked somebody come to my prayer line recently about their marriage relationship, about things with the marriage. And so anyway, uh, I know there's hindered prayers in that marriage because the relationship's not right. And so husbands honor wives, but how many know that wives need to honor husbands, too? And, do I dare talk about this or not? You guys all love me, don't you? I know you love me, and you trust me. So, you've heard my style of preaching for years, right? If you're a goofy wife, get ungoofy. goofy What are you talking about, Pastor? Jesus said, you're the weaker vessel. I don't care if politically correct says you can do everything. There's some things you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to let your husband do them. So how could your husband honor you if you won't let him? Yes, Mrs. Pastor, this gas thing. Well, sometimes I wish you'd fill up the gas tank because it did be me to do it. Sometimes I have to drop everything and go take care of gas for her. This has been kind of one of her things for all these years, but I don't get mad about it. I just do it. The only thing I don't like about it, well, I'm going to rat you out. <laughs> but it's all, it's all, it's, it, well, you're not getting to preach this week. But the only thing I don't like it is not really her fault. Sometimes the last time I saw the tank it was on a half. And I get in the next day and sucking fumes. But then she does so much for the family, for the church, and everything else that I realized, man, she had to go here, 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 and here. Then in between that somebody called her over here, she went over there. And so I don't like caught off guard where I, I thought it was plenty safe with a half a tank get in there as empty like that. But if I'm going to honor her, I'm going to recognize this is a manly thing for me to do Take care of the take for my wife because she wants me to, and I don't think there's anything wrong with women pumping gas. I know most of you probably pump your own gas. That's okay, pump your own gas. But this one right here decides she don't want to. She wants me to, so I honor her in doing that. But so what I'm saying about the prayers being hindered, God, God ordained pastors to be the strong man over the church to lead the church. There's some times that I would not like to be the pastor. Because the pastors get the credit if the church goes well. The pastors get the blame if the church doesn't go well. So the pastors are on the front lines. But at the same time, in the home, the husband's like the pastor of the home. The husband gets the credit for the family's well-being, but also he takes the darts if it doesn't go well. And so God's the one, just like he put an anointing on pastors to lead a flock, He put anointing on husbands and lead the family. But now get this here. Get this picture. Have you ever seen a church that was board-run that the congregation had people thought they could tell the pastor how the church was supposed to go instead of the pastor walking in his gift to lead the church? Well, those churches usually don't have much anointing at all because it's not in God's order. They're out of order. And so in a church like that, usually there's little stripes and divisions. The pastor has the brakes put on him so he can't preach what God wants him to. He can't take a new direction and changes the things in the church because the weaker vessel is trying to overrun the stronger vessel, the way God set it up. Well, in the family life, the wife and the children aren't supposed to lead the family the husband is. And so I know that my experience in life, the majority of women I know are very strong women. I've got a very strong wife and very strong daughter in laws, strong willed, strong spiritually, and things like that. But they've been taught they've been taught to temper themselves and let their husbands lead, and they do what the Bible says they help. And so when he says that your prayers are hindered, if you don't honor your wife, well you can't honor your wife unless your wife allows you to honor her. And so what am I saying? We're talking about troubleshooting your prayer life. And so if you diagnose that things are out of order and somebody, and not somebody, I know, probably two-thirds of the women sitting here. I wish you would. I wish you would. I wish you would. I wish you'd be the leader. I wish, oh, I wish you'd be the leader. Well, you know what maybe you ought to do sometime? Maybe you ought to back off what you're doing so he has to lead. Well. Oh, I got to, I got to fish to the to the remedy. We got we got the diagnosis. We will get to the remedy, but that's experience talking. We first got married. Uh, I was like most men. I wanted to be the wimp. So I tried that for a while. That didn't work very good because I was willing to listen to God, and so then I was able to have a talk with my wife as she listened to me, and I said, "You want me to be the strong man?" Well, when I start whipping out, don't jump in, take over, them, back off so I have to. And so we got that in our marriage to where now it's been such a strong thing for years. I lead, she follows. I lead, she follows. She helps. It's worked good for years and years and years and years. But it had to get to that place where we saw the word of God over 30 years ago where it said, I lead, you help. I lead, you help. And if I'm not leading, leave it alone. Let it fall apart. Then I'll have to help. I mean, I'll have to do it. You see what I'm saying? And so, the Bible says very plainly our prayers can be hindered. And so, in this love walk, what is the cure? Uh, so, if your word level is up to the full mark, and then next thing we want to check is how do I treat people? Talk about this love walk. And so, the cure is to fill up First on Corinthians 13 4 through 8a. And I'm going to look at this in the Amplified Bible. Well, I hope they got the right amplified app up there. I know we got one goofy new amplified app that's not a good one. We got that new app, what up there now? Okay, Pastor Dave's got it up there, man. Let's give a hand for Pastor Dave. He's on top of this stuff. And uh, we're not going to look at anything else except we're gonna close on this Not because we run out of time. But here's here's how you fill up. Remember meditate the word day and night. So if your faith levels up in these other areas, but your Got diagnosis, you're not treating your husband right. If you're being mean to your husband, if, or if your husband's not, not, not doing right honoring you, whichever way it is, it works both ways. Here's what you need to do. Go through this and, and read it out loud in your prayer closet. Love endures long and is patient and kind. I'll tell you what, I started doing that years and years and years ago. I I, I went went over these verses so many thousands of times. I carried little cards in my truck when I was a truck driver. And I would, at every opportunity, I'd pull that card out. I'd say, 1 Corinthians 13.4, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love endures long and is patient and kind. I'm walking in the love of God. I endure long and I'm patient and kind. I endure long and I'm patient and kind. What are you doing, Pastor? I meditate in the Word day and night. I've got my faith hose up to my faith tank. I'm filling up on love. I can get this in me. And so then, when the opportunity came, where my love walk was challenged, immediately, His Word abides in me. I endure long, and I'm patient and kind. That wasn't patient and kind. And so, immediately, I caught myself. I said, oh, no, 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 we're cracking that right now. I'm going to be patient and kind, and I'm enduring long, and I'm patient and kind. Can you see what I've said? That's the cure. If your diagnosis is you're not treating your mate right. If your diagnosis is fellow employees, you're not treating them right. If your diagnosis is you're mad at your neighbors all the time. You know, one thing, let me just say this. I, I pastor and I pester. If you're having the same problem with everybody in your realm of influence, you better diagnose you are the problem. I mean, you're coming in my prayer line, pastor. What well, you pray for me, I got this neighbor, yakity yackety yak. Oh, wow, boy, that's a horrible name. Let me pray for you. Well, next week, Pastor, I want to tell you what, i got this guy I work with in Yakety Yak. Wow, boy, she works with some bad people. About the third week, Pastor, I want to tell you that i got this person in my family, and they're also I'm going to say, wait a minute, uh-oh, Ding. diagnosis. All these people aren't the wrong ones, brother, sister. You better look at yourself. You better do a checkup up, the neck up. we got a diagnosis problem here. It's your engines that have the problem, not theirs. I'm going to look at a couple of things here, then we'll close down, and uh, we'll get the spiritual band-aids out for the toes, and we'll get you healed up. Okay, uh, never resist, never with jealousy. Uh, I want to get down to verse 5, the things that really always jump off of me. Love is not rude unmannerly and, and does not act unbecomingly. Love is not rude unmannerly and, and does not act unbecomingly. What does that mean? That means sometimes in traffic, you let somebody else get in front of you. That means sometimes when they cut you off, you don't fly off the handle, you let them get by with it. That means sometimes when you're down visiting Sister Irma at Walmart, and you got two items, and the only line open... Is this one right here, and this person in front of you has 200 items in their cart, and nothing else open, and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and then Irma opens up the line next, and these people lined up behind you, 15 of them jump over there, and you're still standing there for your two items, you don't plow off the handle and say, "I don't want them anyway," and huff out of the store. I don't do that anymore.) <laughs> I might have done that once. Or twice, Mrs. Pastor said. I am a love walk in progress. I don't get upset about that anymore. I don't do that. I just make sure I got my peripheral working so I can beat them. <laughs> no, no, no. I just give you examples in everyday life that we've got to make sure that we do right and get ourselves trained. Because that affects our prayer life. And so a couple of other things we look at this is this. Uh, it says, Love does not insist on its own right, to own way it is not self-seeking, not touchy or fretful or resentful. Not touchy or fretful or resentful. Not touchy or fretful or resentful. What are you doing? I'm helping myself right now. Thank you. Not touchy or fretful or resentful. Especially in the home, in a marriage. It's so easy to get touchy. Fretful. Resentful. Takes no account of the evil done to it, Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. How do you know if you take account? Well, accounting means you keep records. When you're the husband and wife, and boy, this is all husband and wife to again all of a sudden, isn't it? Hey, man, sign up for the classes so the next time. These guys got some good stuff for you. You're keeping records if they're telling you, let's do this. And then you remember how they didn't do it last year, a whole year ago, and you're bringing it up again. Called unforgiveness, you're taking account. Well, they already asked you as, soon as they blew it, oh, honey, forgive me. I wish I hadn't done that. Oh, please forgive me. Okay, I forgive you. Well, then you forgot the lesson Jesus never taught. You don't get mad, you get even. You forget last year. You forget all those cards you didn't get or what, take me three years to catch on? Five, I caught it finally, though. I thought she was so spiritual, didn't like cards. And so I finally caught it after a few years when she walked in love for a long time and prayed for me. Now I am really good at cards and flowers, and little gifts, and do nice things. But I'm getting better. I see the look. I'm getting better all the time. I'm still getting better. So we don't take account of the wrongs, we put them aside. This whole passage has so much. We're going to close it down. I just want to look at one more thing. Verse 8. Love never fails. Love never fails. If you're having prayer failure, if you're having prayer failure, yet you're a serious Christian, check your love walk. Because a prayer failure is a love failure. The correction is to fill up on the word for love they practice what the Word of God says. And uh, I don't think there's any more blanks on there. Was there anybody got any blanks left out? Do we get all, oh, we got two. I'll give them to you. Then we'll probably preach them next week and hit this one again. But just for the sake so you won't wonder all week long. Oh, check your words. Check your words, and you look at these verses, and zip the lip. Zip the lip. Yeah, we'll probably get to those next week. But anyway, that's the more verses to look at. So now you know how to troubleshoot your prayer life. That help anybody? Amen. amen. We want answered prayers. Amen, amen. Mike said, "Pastor, you preached me happy."